This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. It's going to take some time and a whole lot of patience. Honestly, after being a homeowner for nearly 20 years, there's a whole lot of time and patience needed once you get the home as well. It's a lot of work. So enjoy the journey and enjoy where you are right now in life. You're going to be a homeowner soon and you'll be on to the next responsibilities of life. show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do three things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about if you should invest your home down payment on your path to home ownership. Second, we are back with our Be The Change segment. For those who are new to this show, each quarter we highlight a nonprofit or charity focused on giving kids a better shot at life. And today I'm happy to be sharing my interview with Humble Design. This is an organization dedicated to changing lives and communities by furnishing the homes of families and veterans emerging from homelessness. And last but not least, we are back with another money quiz. My daughter Zoe's going to be reading the review of the month, and I'm going to be quizzing her on some money questions once again. We'll see if we can stump her. I've yet to stump her yet. So it's going to be $3 out of my pocket again, I bet. <laughs> let's find out. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Anonymous on Instagram, and here is her question. Hi, Andy. First of all, I'm a huge fan. Like, really, your podcast motivated me to focus a lot of time educating myself on all things paying off debt and investing. The one thing I struggle with is that many of the personal finance gurus already own their own homes, even if they had a bunch of debt they later decided to pay off quickly. So I'm trying to find the missing link that is saving for a down payment versus investing. Is there a recommended way to save for a down payment through investments given the relatively short term, three to five years, of the investment before withdrawal. If you have a podcast or could recommend one, I would be so grateful. I'm married, mom of two, and again, your info has been so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, Anonymous. I really like those kind words. They mean a lot to me. Thank you so much. Let's discuss your question. Should you invest your home down payment money if your time for purchase is three to five years away? That is a big question, and I know that is one that is probably on a lot of people's minds right now as they're searching for their first home or their next home or or whatever. This is one that stirs up some old memories for me. So let me tell you about the time that I invested my home down payment money and why I'll never do it again. (laughs) 10 years ago, my wife and I were talking about buying a new home. She was tired of trying to make my bachelor pad into a family home and wanted some more space for our growing family. I guess my beer bottle decor was just not doing it for her. (laughs) 
<laughs> we had one baby. We had a little Zoe, and we were already considering another. That was uh, Calvin, the little sparkle in our eyes. You know, yeah, Zoe was such a winner that we just wanted to have another one. So <laughs> before we started looking, we knew we needed to save up for the home down payment. And at that time, I had heard it was smart to save at least 20% of the purchase price for the home down payment. And given my horrendous experience with my first home mortgage, which I've talked about a lot on this show, I was all for 20% of a down payment or much, much more if we could swing it. And lucky for us, my new job that I had at that time was paying off big time. I went from making $70,000 in 2010 to $240,000 in 2012. (laughs) My base pay didn't change much, but my commission went up immensely based on some huge sales that had happened that year. We weren't used to that kind of money. That was a lot of money. That's a big swing, 70000 to 240000 So we just ended up saving a ton of it. There was a point in the year when we had a $100,000 commission check coming home, and I didn't know what to do with it. I mean, it's, it sounds like wah-wah, you know, a good problem to have, but... It was new to us. We wanted to get a house and we wanted to do the smartest thing with this money. So I asked my investment broker at the time, and this is a person I connected with through Dave Ramsey's ELP system that I think it was called a endorsed local provider. Nicole didn't trust the guy. I thought he had the Dave Ramsey blessing. So I hung on every word he said. I mentioned to him that we had a few years before we were going to buy a house and we wanted to put this money someplace safe. He ended up buying $100,000 worth of bond funds because they were a safer, shorter term investment. And this is when three things went wrong. I could sense the panic in my voice already. The first one, he initiated the buy and the subsequent front load fees took our $100,000 down to around $95,000. The second thing was the bond market, or at least the funds that he invested in, went down. So our $95,000 was starting to lose value as well. And then the third thing, as we got nervous, we got nervous about this drop and just our lack of understanding about what the heck was going on. And we pulled our money out early. So our $100,000, the exact numbers uh, are, are away from me right now, but it was probably close to like $93,000. So we lost $7,000 in, in the term of <laughs> I don't know, a few months. This failure moment was a combination of my blind faith and an investment broker and my lack of knowledge about investing and the inherent risks associated with it. We were so shaken by this experience that we ended up leaving this investment broker all together. Now, after financially traumatic events like this, I usually get pretty sad. I get depressed. And then after some time, I take some action. For me, this meant understanding what went wrong and then never repeating it again. Also, it meant educating myself on investing. And now, after 10 years of managing my own portfolio and helping our family's net worth grow over a million bucks, I've learned some important lessons about investing. 
and I'm going to share them with you right now. Number one, a three to five year investing time frame is too short. Some folks might call this conservative, but I find it comfortable. The average bear market lasts around nine months. But the worst one has lasted five years. I'd hate for my home down payment money to be tied up in a down market when I'm ready to buy. Now, could I invest in bonds instead of stocks? Yeah, sure. But with bonds not looking so hot lately, there's a chance those could lose value as well. Also, with such a short period of time for compound growth, the overall gains might not work in my favor. Number two, the three to five year time frame could become shorter. In our example, not only were we nervous about our portfolio losing value, but we ended up wanting our home sooner than we originally thought. So when we say we have a three to five year time frame, what happens if you find the house of your dreams in year one? Yes, you could sell off your portfolio. Similar to our situation, you could sell it at a loss and find yourself in a state of financial depression like we did. Number three, amplified stress in the home buying process. Buying a home in this market is already stressful enough. We've heard stories of new home buyers paying $100,000 over asking price just to get their new home. Managing an intricate investment portfolio and managing the home buying process might be enough to make a family lose their minds. <laughs> so these, these are my doomsday three here for you with, with your question. Okay, you've heard my background on why I'd never do this again and my strong opinions on why I won't do this in the future. But perhaps you are, uh, you know, looking for a way to do this anyway, and you're not that conservative. Let's just assume, what if I didn't make these mistakes in the past? What if I wasn't so scarred by the home buying process? The, the same scars that make me want to become mortgage-free so fast. You know, there's folks that listen to the show that say, hey, you know, that mortgage-free stuff, that's a, you sure talk about that a lot, Andy. <laughs> Maybe that has more to do with your past than my future. <laughs> Let's pretend I'm more aggressive with my money and I didn't have those past financial bruises, we'll, we'll say. I might consider something like a balanced fund. You know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, or even something like my friend Sam Dogan suggests on his blog, which I will include in the show notes if you are interested, a low-risk portfolio of 50% stocks, 30% bonds, and even 20% cash. I'm sure there are some folks out there who would even invest their entire home down payment in stocks, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> who am I fooling? I've had some rough experiences and I just understand human nature based on these home buying processes. I've been a homeowner now, let's see, since 2004, almost 20 years. <laughs> when the market drops, I know that we freak out. I know I understand human nature, especially if we need this money sooner than later. I'm able to ignore most market drops, you know, as I look at the S&P down this year, because I know that I'm 20 years away from retirement. I'm 20 years away from even needing this money. I know that I don't have that much strength and resolve when it comes to short-term investing. 
Let's say you're feeling my neurosis and financial trauma and and you're not planning on putting your money in the market during this time. Cool. I've done my job then. (laughs) But you're still thinking, hey, Andy, this inflation stuff is killing me. The housing market is killing me. How can I eventually get enough to buy this home that I want? Well, you can't control inflation and you can't control the rising housing market. What you can control is yourself and your earnings. So here are five things that you can do. Here are five ideas that you can try. Number one, automate your savings. Once you've determined a reasonable monthly savings goal, make it automatic. Partner up with a good online bank that offers a quote unquote high yield savings. You know, I mean, what we're looking at for high yield right now, 0.5%. That's what you got, right? I like Ally. I've been a customer of theirs for, I don't know, years now. Set up a recurring deposit each month from your checking account to your new online savings account. This way, you're setting it and forgetting it. Before you know it, you're going to have that amount of money that you need ready to rock. Number two, use newfound money to fund your account. If you want to speed up the process even faster, take the new money that comes into your life over your savings period and save it all. Here are some examples. Tax refunds, selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace, going around your house and just looking and say, what do I have here that I could just sell and throw that money in there? Bonuses, commission checks, inheritances, Side hustle money, maybe. I don't know. I guess it's newfound money, right? What comes into your life and you didn't expect it? That all goes to your savings. Some of this newfound money is, is rare. You know, I said bonuses, inheritances, things like that. But if you've made a conscious plan beforehand to allocate it towards your goal, it won't float away when the day arrives. Number three, transfer spending to cashback credit cards. If you're pretty good at living within your means, I'd suggest signing up for a cashback credit card like Capital One's Quicksilver. That is our family's favorite card. If you sign up and hit their minimum spending requirement, they will even give you cashback to start. Additionally, they're going to give you 1.5% cashback on all purchases. That's what we do. Nicole and I get a check from them every so often based on our typical spending It's great. You get a random check in the mail (laughs) for for doing your typical spending, which is great. Right now, we're taking that money and throwing it towards vacations because we're we're crazy on vacations. I just looked on our account this morning and it's almost to 500 bucks. So it's going to send us a $500 check in about a month. So that's cool. And if you're not already living on a budget though, and you don't have control of your spending, then I would not recommend getting a credit card. That's it. If you are in control though of your spending, and you're going to be spending the money anyway, you might as well be rewarded. Nicole and I used this theory over and over again, and we got a $6,000 family trip to Cabo San Lucas for about 300 bucks. If you have a goal and you set your focus on it, it could really help you in the long run, especially with this home down payment. Number four, use visual motivation to help you hit your goal. If your home down payment savings goal lasts four years, your motivation might start to fade. That's why it's important to keep that goal front and center in your life. Print out a picture of your dream home, attach it to the fridge. That way, you're reminding yourself of your goal on a daily basis. When you're tempted to move away from your plan, that picture, that visual representation of your future, will keep you focused. You can also use a chart 
or a goal thermometer and have fun with it. Essentially like coloring in, you know, where you are in your progress and maybe you can have the kids do it with you. Each week or month, you can color in another level on your chart until you've reached your goal. Number five, make sure you factor in all other costs of home ownership. Your home mortgage is only one piece of the home ownership puzzle. Don't forget about these other important recurring monthly costs as well. Utilities, that's electric, gas, water, home maintenance and repairs, lawn care. <laughs> How about taking care of the driveway? We're recording this in the winter time here. Oh man, getting a snowblower or getting somebody to push the driveway for you. There's some cost right there. Also, you're going to want to save up enough for these one-time expenses as well. Closing costs, updates to the house when you move in, furnishing the home, home decor. My wife loves some decor. So you know you got to factor in those things. When we forget about these important costs, that's when the credit card debt can start to take over again. It's super, super easy to throw that stuff on the credit card and say, ah, we'll take care of it later. But you'll be paying majorly high interest for it, and it might take you a long time before it's paid off. All right, well, those are five ideas to help you prepare and get this home down payment. I hope my experience anonymous with investing my down payment has been helpful and my tips for getting there without investing were helpful as well. It's going to take some time and a whole lot of patience. Honestly, after being a homeowner for nearly 20 years, there's a whole lot of time and patience needed once you get the home as well. It's a lot of work. So enjoy the journey and enjoy where you are right now in life. You're going to be a homeowner soon and you'll be on to the next responsibilities of life. Enough from me, everyone. I want to hear from you. Do you think you should invest your home down payment? Are you more conservative when it comes to your short-term goals or are you more aggressive? Please hit me up on social media at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter and Instagram and let me know what you think. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. 
Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. For our Be The Change segment this month, we are featuring Humble Design, an organization dedicated to changing lives and communities by furnishing the homes of families and veterans emerging from homelessness. I've invited the founder of Humble Design, Trigger Strasberg, on the show today. We're going to discuss the state of homelessness in America and Humble Design and how they are working to support families in need. Welcome to the show, Trigger. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this important topic. What is the current state of homelessness in our country? Well, I'd love to say that that it's getting better and that all the things that we're doing are working. But unfortunately, we are seeing rising numbers, not only homeless that are homeless for the first time, but chronically homeless. So normally what you see is people out on the streets are what we call chronically homeless. And that's about 2% of the homeless population. Well, those are on the rise and you're seeing more and more people in like 10 cities. Things are really easy to see things that are in your eye line. The behind the scenes homelessness is growing as well, which is staying in cars, staying on family floor, staying in shelters, staying in abandoned buildings. So all of that is on the rise due to the current economic situation in the United States. Got it. Yeah. So the pandemic, I guess, rising inflation. Well, what are the reasons, I guess? Talk to us about the reasons that somebody might become homeless. We've um, helped over 7,800 homeless individuals across the United States. So we have taken a really good slice of all those individuals. We've interviewed every single one of them to understand, you know, what their year has been like. We try to make it as human as possible. But what we hear time and time again is medical bills. Medical bills are killing this country. And a lot of our families do not have the emergency fund that they would need for a medical emergency, a family emergency. A lot of times with medical debt also comes death in the family. So the death in the family, which is a two income household now becomes a one income household and that income still has to carry the medical debt. So debt is a big issue. Also, we're seeing a lot of veterans, a lot of mental illness, a lot of substance abuse and substance abuse is not the cause of homelessness, but it is a placebo to help, you know, basically get you through this awful time in your life, but it doesn't help the situation certainly. And domestic violence. Domestic violence is a big one as well. We see a lot of people and refugees in their own lives with their kids due to domestic violence. Got it. So this is a situation that's obviously been happening in our country for quite a while, and it's even gotten worse over the past few years with everything that's gone on. How is Humble Design supporting with this issue that we have in our country? It was my belief early on. I, I should say I have I had no intention of starting a nonprofit. I didn't know anything about homelessness. I, I had barely volunteered at a nonprofit before I started this nonprofit. It just 
the series of events that happened were just one foot in front of the other. But what I've learned over the last 13 years is that dignity, empathy, and the human aspect of interacting with people is missing in what we're doing to address the homelessness in the United States. So when you talk about homelessness, you talk about numbers and data and all those things, but we don't stop to think about this, this number set, is it a human being, right? This is a person. And so while we think that maybe getting somebody in a house is the end of the conversation, all right, they were homeless, they're not homeless, let's move on to other things. 50% of those people who get into a, a home after being homeless go back into a homeless situation within 12 months. That's not a good number. That's an awful number. Why are we ending the conversation when 50% of the families that are getting into homes are coming back out of them and becoming part of the system again? Well, what Humble Design does is they make sure that those families who get into the homes stay in the homes. What we've learned to do uh, is to treat them like human beings and to make sure that their home life feels secure and safe and homey and warm. And the way that we do that is we furnish the home with donated goods. So when you donate your stuff and you're hoping that it goes to somebody who's in need or homeless, most times it's probably not. It's being resold to fund a program. Humble Design actually brings the stuff that you've donated down to a family in need who could really use it. And we bring it down with dignity and empathy and we end up designing the whole place for them. So uh, we've done for homes for 7,800 individuals and 99% of our families stay in the home as opposed to that 50% number. You started to talk a little bit about your backstory. How did you fall into this? How did this become your life? What series of events happened to you where you said, this is what I'm going to do for the next 13 years? I'm a graphic design and advertising major. Like I was in advertising. I had planned to go to advertising. My family, you know, my husband's in advertising. That was my my goal set. And I had moved because of a job. Uh, my husband had, took a job in Detroit for an advertising agency. We moved to Detroit and I had two little kids. So I wanted to, you know, stay in the graphic design world. And so I volunteered my time uh, for a couple hours uh, at a nonprofit. During my time there, I met a woman who was working there and we were talking over coffee she was really quiet. I do a lot of talking anyway, but she was abnormally quiet. And I was like, what's going on? And she said, well, I didn't get much sleep last night because the homeless shelter is really loud. And my first thought was like, oh, you're volunteering. And oh, how nice you slept over at the homeless shelter. That's really amazing. She's like, no, I'm homeless. I mean, full-time job, college degree, two kids, we had so much in common and here I was, I just assumed that everything in her life was going the way that, that mine was and she was homeless and it broke my heart. And so when she found a home that she could afford and she left the homeless shelter, I went to go visit her again, you know, just thinking like, yay, you know, what a great day. We found her a home. She got there and they were so excited and her two little kids were making nests on the floor with their winter coats where they were going to sleep because everything she owned everything she had gathered, everything in her entire world went to the curb when she couldn't pay her rent at her last place. So then I cried on the way home and uh, I went into my closets and I pulled out everything that I wasn't using. I went to my basement, pulled out anything that was in storage that I wasn't using. I went to my neighbor's house, knocked on their door. I was like, listen, my friend is in need. She has nothing. Do you have anything extra? And then I stopped people in the grocery line. And then I stopped people at the pickup for daycare. And then my friend had a pickup truck. So the two of us drove around and drove all this stuff to my friend's house. And because she was my friend, I wanted to make it a dignified, beautiful experience. So we designed it. We got the color she wanted. We painted the musical instruments. And in six weeks, basically, we had a fully furnished, gorgeous, designed home for her and her kids where they could feel comfortable, they could sleep, they could have a full meal, they could cook together. And uh, that project was over. And so back I go, except people in town started calling me the furniture lady. 
<laughs> my small little town in Michigan. They started dropping stuff off because they wanted me to find a home for it. And so before I knew it, I had a full uh, sectional couch on my front lawn and a crib in my parking spot in my garage. So I started calling around and I said, listen, these people gave this stuff to me, hoping that it would go directly to a family who needs it. Who does that? Like, I'll just donate to them. Every single person I called at every shelter said, wow, that really doesn't happen. And it's a hole in the system. And you should maybe start something. So that was interesting. And so I started very small out of my garage. And we did one home every six weeks like we did with my friend. About a year later, we had 100 families on the waiting list. And rather than me feeling great about that, I felt awful that there was at least 400 children that I wasn't able to put into beds because I was so small. So my husband and I sat down and we said, you know, we could invest in stocks. We could invest in a real estate. We could invest in lots of things. But what if we, instead of investing in something that's going to make us money, what if we invest in something that's actually going to make us feel better about ourselves and about the world? And wouldn't that be worth the money that we would have invested elsewhere? And we decided to invest. We decided to invest in like a small business and we put our money and our effort behind it. And it's been 13 years and we're in five cities across the United States. We furnish 13 homes a week for right now we're at 7,800 individuals. And I mean, it's just been a wonderful, heartwarming, hard, painful, lovely journey. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. We talk a lot about investing on this podcast and you guys truly have invested in a nonprofit that is changing lives. So talk to us about these 7,800 people. Again, we talk about numbers, right? Let's humanize this. Tell us one of your favorite stories as of late of a family that's been moved by your program. I mean, it's always so hard to pick, right? I love the kids. I love the kids when they cry and they see their bed and like, oh my God, they cry. What does that mean? They've never had a bed before. I love all those stories. But one sticks out lately, you know, we're, we're really invested in helping veterans because one of my personal philosophies is if that if you've slept in a foxhole, you don't sleep on the floor. Like our country needs to take care of you. And sometimes they've given more than their lives for their country. They've given their families and they've given all hope, you know, has, has gone into this country and, and we have a hard time repaying that. So when we meet a veteran, it's always very special for me. And so lately we, we met a veteran. He had been homeless, I think, gosh, going on like 12 years, maybe. He had never in his entire life slept in a bed, like even when he was a kid. So in the army, he got to sleep uh, in a bed, which he thought was awesome. And that was, was short-lived. When he got back, he became homeless pretty quickly. So he got back on his feet, he got help, and he enrolled in culinary school. He was on his way and he had been placed into a a home, uh, an apartment. And so actually this is a video that we have online. You can go and see it. But when he came into the house and we had decorated the whole thing and, you know, all those women were waiting to welcome him home and, and had spent the day furnishing the whole place. He was so overwhelmed by the side of the house that he couldn't actually make his way in the door. Like he couldn't get in. He was just too overwhelmed. He made his way into the, into the kitchen and he saw all the stuff that he would need basically to cook and to learn his skill. And he just slumped onto the wall and slid down and cried into his hands. And it's like, I, for me, like the thought of what is going on in his head right now that he has had just a horrible, horrible year and even a a worse maybe existence in this world. And here's a group of people who came together and spent their afternoon just telling him like, here's the stuff we're not using anymore and hopefully you can use it. And it meant so much to him that he had that moment of like, my life's going to be different here. 
So some people think it's just like a stuff that you're donating. Some people just think it's like, oh, a weekend or an afternoon that you're spending with a nonprofit, but it changes people profoundly. It really does. And, and I think right now watching that video, that that's my favorite right now. I love that. Well, I'll be sure to include that video in the show notes for everybody to see themselves. That way they can feel that impact as well. And as we're feeling it through your voice right now, obviously you're very passionate about what you've been doing for the past 13 years. Where do you see this organization going over the next five? What's your hopes and dreams for where this organization is going? I mean, wouldn't it be lovely to be able to help everybody? You know, wouldn't it be be lovely to get my hands around every single person who needs us and who needs a bed and, and to have a country where no one sleeps on the floor, right? The wealthiest country in the world and, and have that be our goal. If you look at it very far away, I hope somebody puts us out of business. I hope that we have a safety net that's so amazing in this country that nobody falls as low, you know, that nobody's sleeping on a pile of clothes on the floor in this country. In the interim, realistically, I'd love to be in every community that needs us because I have learned throughout this journey that there is no shortage of furniture. I mean, every time I get to this point in the conversation, I speak at different conferences and I go around and I tell the story and I always see people glaze over at the point where they realize that I take in donated furniture and home goods because they're cataloging all the stuff that they want to give me. Right. They're going through their drawers in their mind. They're like, you know, I haven't used that coffee table a long time. It's in storage. I could just give it to her. So there's so much furniture. There's so many home goods. It's the number one thing that's not recycled in this country. And we have no means to gather it other than, you know, what was built after World War II, like the Salvation Army and Goodwill. Those systems don't have the capacity to take the amount of stuff. And if we could just get it to the people in need, we have so much stuff and we have so many people who need it. How can we bridge that gap in every community in the United States? Talking about the amount of things that we have. We've talked about the storage facilities where people just have stuff. If it could make its way to you guys to have that impact, it sounds like that is the dream. That is the bridge. So somebody's listening right now and they're saying, wow, I am feeling very moved. I would like to give. And I understand there's a financial gift that people can give, but also their time. So talk to us about both those options, whether you can give your time or your money. Money's great. We love money because then we get to do what we want to do. I should also say that I don't take a salary. My husband doesn't take a salary. Our staff is paid peanuts, although I would love to pay them a living wage. It, it is my goal uh, in the future, but we steward our, our money very carefully and we all have all the awards. If you want to go on Charity Navigator on all those good ones, we have all the awards. But I will say that we changed our tagline last year. It used to be furnishing homes for the homeless, which is what we do. But now we change it to togetherness to end homelessness. Because what we realized through this process is the people who give their time actually are gaining the gift of humble design almost as much, if not more, than the people who are receiving the furniture. So we create an experience where you can come down to the house, and from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., you work really hard, you clean things, you move furniture, you, you make beds, you hang artwork on the walls, you put all the silverware away, and then you get to watch the family walk into the house for the first time and see the transformation, and they cry and we cry, and we hug, and there's a human connection there that I feel like we're missing right now. In our society, we see so much stuff going on online, so much stuff going on on the TV, and we don't have that moment to, to see eye-to-eye and face-to-face. 
So I think that's really important. So if you're ever interested in coming down to one of our five cities and volunteering, I think it'll change your life. It certainly has changed mine. But if you're interested in like, if you're a corporation, like a lot of people who are listening are investors or are CEOs or part of larger companies, we have what's called a day of service. So you get your company to come down and five to 10 of your employees get to participate in this day. It's a bonding experience. We ask that you that you sponsor the home for $5,000. And then you get to have this video and this photograph of this day if you want to share it with people who invest with you or your clients or just internally. We have large corporations work with us like Progressive, U-Haul, Crate and Barrel with CB2, Fruitaloom, Clorox, because of this, basically this service that we offer, which is like you get to have part of your community involvement and it is like, built for you. All you have to do is show up. So if you're listening right now and you want to bring us to your city, we'd love to talk about a monetary donation to get us to your city. And if you're listening right now, and you just want to volunteer. Oh, it's so great. And if you want to give us your stuff, come on down, drop it off. We'll pick it up. And if you want to just give us a donation to help us what we're doing, every single dollar will be stewarded with the most care. Actually, our last Be the Change segment we had on Charity Navigator on the show, we talked to uh, the president, Michael Thatcher, and talked about the importance of being able to look into charities and learn how their how their money is utilized. So uh, the fact that Trigger's talking about Charity Navigator and the transparency that they have with their organization, I'd highly recommend checking them out, not only at HumbleDesign.org as well as Charity Navigator. It's great to research all the charities that you, you donate to. But definitely, if you're looking for an experience, I love we're talking about this, this is a great way. I mean, talk about team building. <laughs> if you're looking for a way to really have, you know, a great experience with your team or your family or a group, this sounds like an incredible experience to do. Trigger, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It has been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. To keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I'd like to ask you to do one quick thing to support this show. Please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or give the show a shout out on social media tagging me at Andy Hill MKM. Those reviews and social shout-outs help more people to find and consider this show. To encourage you to leave a review or social shout-out for the show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received two reviews and social shout-outs since our last book giveaway offer. This quarter, we're going to be giving away three different book options from past podcast guests. The first one is Take Back Your Time by Christy Wright. The second one is Debt Free or Die Trying by Marcus Garrett. And then the last one, Get Good With Money by Tiffany Aliche. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my assistant Zoe Hill with me here once again. How's it going, baby? Hi, dear. I'm excited to have you. Yeah. Well, let's do our money this quiz. This is the last one until we go to Mexico. That's right. We are going to go to Mexico. Let's do our money quiz first, and then we can read that review. How does that sound? Yeah. Cue that cheesy music. Okay, let me explain the rules again, Zoe, because uh, some people might have not listened to this in the past, and they don't know what the rules are. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three questions, and for every question you get right, me? I give you a dollar. Yay! I give you one dollar. All right, you ready? Yep. All right, drum roll, please. 
Question number one. Zoe, we paid off our mortgage a few years ago. That was really cool. We don't have to pay that mortgage ever again. This home that you live in right now, it's ours forever. Now, that being said, what are three other costs we have as homeowners, even without a mortgage? You need to pay taxes. Yes, we do need to pay taxes. You're right. Property taxes. You need taxes. to pay rent for a house. Well, the mortgage was our rent, but we do need to pay property taxes. That's right. What else? What else do we need to pay? And the electricity bill. Electricity bill. Yes. You hate okay. That. I do not like. Mommy likes to run that. You know, space heater, and I kind of go nuts a little bit. So we got property taxes, electricity bill. What else? What else do we pay for here? Water bill. Water bill. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, she got three of them. Yes, everybody, I want you to all know and Zoe to know that even when you pay off your mortgage, there's still a bunch of stuff you still got to pay. I got it like so soon. No that first try. That is a dollar for you. Yeah. All right, question number two. Investing. Let's talk about that a little bit. When you're older, Zoe, you might want to buy a house yourself. You know, you want to live near us. You want to live near mom and daddy. That could be pretty yeah. cool. So, Zoe, I looked it up. Homes in our area 20 years from now, this might be interesting to you, might be around a half a million dollars to oh, a million dollars. Oh, no, I don't have damn money. That's a lot of money, right? I don't have damn money. And to get a lot of money 20 years in the future, is it better to invest your money or save your money? Invest because you got one dollar in there and boom, it becomes ten dollars. I like it. That works for me. That's a correct answer, everybody. Yes, if you want a lot, a lot of money, decades in the future, investing is gonna help you more than saving. Very good, very good. Okay, Zoe. Our last question here. Let's see if you can get the trifecta and get three dollars. What are three reasons that you like this home? I like it because of my family. Your family's here? Shelter. You have shelter, yeah. And food and water and kitties and everything in it. And my room. And your room. I love all those answers. Those are fantastic. Everybody, yeah. yes, having a home is very pleasant. And Zoe likes having a home. Zoe, that is $3 for you. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much for participating in this little funny money game. Let's read our review. We got two reviews and social shout outs last month. And so let's do your thing. Alexa, pick a number between one and two. Here's a number between one and two. It's one. Excellent. Well, our first review comes in from GMNUSA and calls it great for a new parent. You want to read this one here? Why don't, mm -hmm. I, why don't I blow it up for you? I've listened to Scott Allen Turner for years, but wanted something more to focus on my family finances after the birth of my son. This is the podcast I've been looking for. Great info and guests, and I always get a lot out of each episode. Excellent. Zoe, yeah. thank you for reading that. I appreciate that. Thank you, GMNUSA, for leaving that. Thank I don't have your you. email, GMNUSA, so if you could please email me a screenshot of the review to andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com, that would be great, yeah. and we'll get you that book as soon as possible. Yeah. Everyone, we're going to be doing the same thing again next month, same Zoe, but different books. Next month, we'll be giving away one of the following books. 
The first one is indistractable, how to control your attention and choose your life by near a all. The second one is stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management by Joe Salciha. You know Joe, right, Zoe? Remember Joe and Cooper? We love Joe. And last but not least, Investing for Kids by Allison Tom and Dylan hey, Redling. I'm a kid. You are a kid. Yeah. You know, you, we talked about investing today. So yeah. Yeah, it's all good. So please leave a review for us in Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of that review and email me at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And if you don't have Apple Podcasts, that's okay. Spotify. You can give us a rating in Spotify and take a screenshot out of it. Or you can shout out your favorite episode on social media and share why it's your favorite and tag me at Andy Hill MKM. All of these ways are ways to just like say, hey, you're doing a good job, Andy, because pretty much that's how I feel my self-worth by through words. So if you guys could just tell me I'm doing a good job, that's pretty much what I'm looking for. That would be awesome. Zoe, thank you so much for doing this today. And I'm glad that you like water. I love you. In March, we've got an excellent lineup, and I'm excited to share it with you all. Next Monday, March 14th, we've got Maggie Tucker from the Friends on Fire podcast. She's going to be joining me to talk about how she went from part-time to full-time early retiree recently, and we're going to talk about how she prepared financially to do this and what the fire lifestyle looks like for them now. The Monday after that, we're going to be answering another question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community, and we're going to start yet another segment called Internet Money, where we highlight people in our community making side hustle or part-time money online. Julie Berninger is going to join us and share how she makes money selling printables on Etsy from the comfort of her home as a young mother as well. The Monday after that, we're going to be answering more questions about family financial independence and highlighting a debt-free win from Brandon Rodriguez, who crushed over $100,000 of debt in five years. And she's going to share how she did that. And on Fridays, you'll hear more bread and wine with my wife, Nicole. This is a candid chat between a husband and a wife where we discuss all things marriage, kids, and money while having a glass of wine. And we're probably doing this uh, maybe on a couple, um, maybe two times a month basis at this time. And if you want to help us choose our topics and support the show, consider buying us a cheap bottle of wine at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash wine. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash wine. We'll give you a shout out on the show and discuss your topic if you'd like. This Marriage, Kids, and Money show was recently recognized by U.S. News and World Report and Parents.com as one of the top 10 personal finance podcasts. That's cool. (laughs) You guys know how I love words of affirmation. So thank you for your continued support and helping this podcast be a top 10. I'm blown away. Honestly, thank you. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. Best of luck finding your forever home, my friends. Carpe diem. 